Without turning there, you've already got the place, but we'll just go quickly over some things. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, therefore I have what? Spoken. We also believe. And because we believe, what do we do? Therefore we speak. Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. Believe in your heart. Say it with your mouth. That's how you got born again. That's how you'll get healed. That's how you get filled with the Spirit. That's how you'll get prosperous. Hallelujah. That's how you'll be a success in your business. You don't have to use high pressure sales tactics on people. Just on your way to work, say, all right, buyers, come to me. Come see me and come. You're going to buy from somebody today. It might as well be me. Come buy from me. Calling buyers. Claim them. Call them. Begin to say, I sell more than anybody else around. Amen. Use your words. James talks about it. If a man doesn't offend or miss it in what he says, he's a perfect man. Complete. Hallelujah. Developed and able also to bridle the whole body. You can control your body. You can control your life. With, if you control your mouth and your words. Now he goes on to talk about in that chapter about how the tongue is an unruly thing. And about how it's, I mean it can set uh, all kind of things in motion that you don't want set in motion. But by the word of God and by faith and discipline you can corral this thing. Amen. You can't control another man's tongue but you can control your own. Now, I want to just read to you. I want you to, to be finding uh, the book of Job and the 22nd chapter. And for time's sake, I'm just going to read a couple of these scriptures. We began in Proverbs yesterday. And if we had the time, we could spend a lot more time looking at different passages that talk about the mouth, that talk about the tongue. Oh, I'm moving a little bit too fast here. Hold your place there. In, in Job, but go back to Proverbs. It'll help you to let, let your eyes, instead of me just reading them or quoting them, let your eyes rest on these. Go back to Proverbs, the 16th chapter. That's where we left off yesterday. How many know it's better to get three things than to go over 12? Proverbs 16, we're going to get there eventually to Job but we said that if you go through the book of Proverbs and look for words, uh, scriptures I should say, that have to do with words and the tongue and the mouth, you'll find there's a lot of them. And the reason why is these are writings of wisdom. And the, and the wise person is looking toward tomorrow. The wise person is thinking about the impact and effect my actions today are going to have on my tomorrow. And there is perhaps no other thing more significant in shaping your tomorrow than your words. And because of that, there's much of this book devoted to that. And you'll find that repeatedly the person who is in control and selective and, and considers their words valuable and significant, they're called wise. The person who just says everything they think and doesn't control their mouth and just talks all the time and talks vanity, they're called a fool. Is that right? So according to the word, like we said yesterday, according to the word, anytime you hear yak, 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 you know, fool. I didn't say it. The Lord said it. Now, we looked at a number of scriptures that talk about this, but let's, let's finish this up. We looked at 1624, and we read pleasant words, 1624 Proverbs. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Skip on down to the next one, the 17th chapter. 17, 27. 17, 27 says... He that has knowledge spares his words. 
And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he that shuts his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Listen to another translation. One says, experience uses few words. Discernment keeps a cool head. Even a fool, if he holds his peace, is thought wise. Keep your mouth shut and show your good sense. That's the New English. Another one says, A man of sense is sparing of his words. The prudent will keep cool. Even a fool may pass for wise if he says nothing. With closed lips, he may be counted sensible. (laughs) That's the Moffat's translation. Is this true? That if you're wise and you have some understanding, you're not rattling off at the mouth all the time. If If you believe in the power of your words, you're selective. And you think about what you're going to say. You think about its impact and effect. Look at the 18th chapter. 18 verse 2. It says, a fool has no delight in understanding. Have you ever seen people that, they, you could tell, they didn't want to hear what's right? They want to tell you what they think, which is what this verse says. He has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Listen to another translation. One says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. The living says, a rebel doesn't care about the facts. All he wants to do is yell. If you'll, if you'll watch, when you're talking to people sometimes, and you have to watch that it's not you on the other end of this, a lot of those people are not listening to you. You've heard the phrase, the lights are on but nobody's home. They're, they're looking at you, they're nodding their head, but what they're doing is behind their back, they're loading their pistols. For as soon as you slow down or, or hush, they're going to start telling you what they think. And that's their only desire. They don't want to hear. They're not hungry for understanding. They just want to let as many people as possible know what they think. And that person is called what? A fool. A fool. Skip down to the uh, 20th verse. A man's belly, verse 20, chapter 18 Man's belly will be satisfied with what? The fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is he, is he over-exaggerating here? Is he, or is this really true? Some people might think, well, you know, I guess it probably would make some difference. Does it make life and death difference into whether you control your mouth or whether you don't? If we believe the Bible, we have to agree. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Another one says, death and life are determined by the tongue. And the talkative must take the consequences. Another one says, those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. And men have died for saying the wrong thing. Is that true? Many have not understood what was hanging in the balance when the plain word was presented to them. And they looked at it and said, well... 
I just don't believe it like that. I know. I've, I've dealt with people in healing school before. Thinking one lady, and she was telling me so aggravated about the situation. She said, I've been to such and such and had tests run and been to such and such and had tests run and been to such and such and had tests run. And, and they tell me I'm all right. They tell me I'm fine. She said, but I know I have cancer. And I tried to tell her, I said, well, I don't doubt that you have symptoms and I don't doubt that it, it, it's bothering you. I said, but there's a spiritual principle here. If you don't quit searching for it and don't quit looking for it, what the scripture said, seek and you shall find. It's a spiritual principle. If you don't quit looking for it, you will find it. And even if there have been some problems there, rejoice when the doctors tell you we didn't find anything. And say, I'm clear, I'm clean, and the symptoms will have to change. She looked at me aggravated. She said, now you just like them. I'm telling you, I know I've got cancer. I'd cringe every time she said it. I'd go, oh, don't say that. But people are like, oh, y'all are just legalistic about this confession and bondage. I, I know what I feel. And see that to her, that was supreme. Above the word of God, above everything else, her feelings was her strongest reality. But no matter what we feel, no matter what bad report we've got, we can take our words And stand against it. How do you resist the devil? How do you stand in having done all to stand? Stand. How do you? With your faith. And the primary expression of it is with your words. You stand against it. Symptoms come. And the devil says, yeah, you got it. You got it. Your mama had it. Your grandma had it. It runs in your family. You're about the same age. That's when you do not just sit there and think about it. You stand up and go, no, I will never have it. In Jesus' name, it cannot live in my body. I resist it. I refuse it. It can't live in my body. And what if you said that and didn't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said come to pass? Then it could not live in your body. But people act like they're so, you know, you know, justified when they say when they keep looking for it and they ignore all these instructions and finally find the problem say see I told you I told you not realizing they helped bring it to pass now go with me to Job there are many other scriptures like this but we we won't take the time today I think you see adequately and more than enough how much emphasis is placed on the value Of our words, how important, how significant they are. But I want to talk about one of the, one of the major characteristics of a faith confession. In Job 22, are you there? Job 22, and let's look down in the 28th verse. Job 22, 28, it says, you shall also decree a thing, and it shall be established to you, and the light will shine on your ways. Hallelujah. Another one says, you will declare a thing, and it will be done for you. In the 29th verse of the A, uh, the ASU says, when you're cast down, you will speak with confidence. Now, a characteristic of faith is that it is built upon, it is the result of a full persuasion of the revealed will of God. Brother F.F. Bosworth, author of the book, Christ the Healer, made a statement that is so true. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And in order to make a true faith confession, it must be from a persuaded heart. And faith knows ahead of time 
what's going to happen. Faith knows beforehand what God will do about it. What God's going to bring to pass in this realm about it. And it's not mousy about saying so. It's not wavery. It's not, it's not iffy. It's not, well, we'll just keep praying and see what the Lord's going to do. Maybe He will. Maybe He won't. You just never know. Anybody heard that phrase? You just never know. Don't say that. Where's that scripture at? You ever found that in the Bible? Thus saith the Lord, you just never know. I've never, I've read the Bible. I've never seen it in there. You just never know. No, Ephesians talks about it. In Ephesians 5, 17. Don't turn there. But it says, don't be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. We have a responsibility to search the word. And to seek God and to find his will. And in order to make a faith decree, you've got to be like Abraham, fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that what he has said, he is able and he will perform. And so you say it boldly. You decree and you say, it'll be thus and so. This is this way and this will be this way. And you say it without blinking an eye or backing up. And you don't talk about plan B, C, and D if it don't work. Right? Thou shalt decree a thing. And when it will be, it shall be. If you go to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and go through these heroes of faith, you'll see time after time after time where they said something boldly. In the face of all kind of contradiction. But they said it and didn't blink an eye and didn't back up. And it was their faith talking. Because they were persuaded. Let's take the time and go over a few of them. Some of them we may turn to and look. Some of them I'll just remind you of. We mentioned Abraham. One thing that you'll see so clearly about Abraham. And one of the greatest tests of his life. And one of the greatest moments of his faith expressed was when he was taking Isaac to offer him up as a sacrifice on the mount in response to God. And you remember, don't turn there, but in Genesis 22, in the fifth verse, when the, he left the servants behind and just he and Isaac begin to go up the mountain, he looked at them before he walked away and he said, I and the boy will go up and we will come back. Hallelujah. Now I don't know if you've thought about this. But this is big time faith. Somebody says well he wasn't sure if he was going to offer him up. He had already decided to do it. Well how could he say that? He's believing for a resurrection. Hebrews 11 tells us he accounted that God was able to raise him from the dead. God had already told him that his seed was going to be through this boy, Isaac. So he concludes, if I kill him, God will just flat have to raise him from the dead. So he looks at him and he says, me and this boy... We'll go up and me and this boy are coming back. Oh, glory to God. No ifs. No maybes. No, we'll get there and seize. No. No. We will. Both of us. We're coming back. Hallelujah. You need to say that when you get on an airplane. We're taking off and we're landing. We're leaving and we're arriving. We're going over to the other side. We will make it all the way. Well, we just hope everything goes all right now. 
No. I said faith is bold. Faith is bold to declare and decree what's going to happen. Not based on just what I think, but based on the word. Based on what God has said. Jacob and Israel, the Bible said in Hebrews 11. Don't turn there, but Hebrews 11, 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he died, he blessed the sons of Joseph. They spoke concerning their future, didn't they? Joseph, the same thing happened with him. You remember that that he said in Genesis 50, Joseph said when he was dying, he said, now this is on his deathbed, he said, God is going to visit you. And he is going to bring you out of this land of Egypt. And he said, I want you to give me your word that when God visits you and you leave, you will take my bones. Isn't that something? He didn't say it might happen. He said it will happen. And when it does, you do this. And so they did. Now think about both with, with uh, Jacob, with Israel, with Joseph. Their faith and their words continued to work after they were gone. From this planet. Are you listening friend? The things they believed. And the things they said in faith. Continued to impact. And affect their children. And their children's children. And generations. And a whole nation of people in some cases. We need to be thinking about long term. When we speak our words. Is it true that your words and your faith, can, if the Lord tears is coming that long, will still be working in this earth and creating and affecting and changing things after you've been in heaven for a long time shouting the glory? We have evidence of it. We have examples of it. See, some of you are having to think about that. I read scripture here. Hallelujah. Their words. Still having an effect in the earth after they've been in heaven for a long time. Also, you see the story, and I want you to turn there to 1 Samuel 17. This is one of my favorites. 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, are you there? We won't take the time to read the whole story. You know it. But the Israelites were encamped against the Philistines and vice versa. And this huge mountain of a man would come out every day and dare them to send out a man to fight with him. This guy's huge. I mean, he's gigantic and very intimidating. And defied the armies of Israel. And defied the God of Israel. David, who was just a youth, he came, sent by his father to check on the situation and bring some gifts. And he saw this guy strutting around down there and blowing and bragging. And skip down to verse 25. 1 Samuel 17, 25. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man? That's come up, surely to defy Israel is he come up. It'll be the man who kills him. The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David spoke up. He said, uh, what's that? (laughs) What's going to happen to the guy that takes out this Philistine? He said, because who is This uncircumcised Philistine. That he should defy the armies of the living God. So the people answered him. And they told him. This is what's going to happen. Eliab you know reproved him. But he didn't let it move him. Verse 30. He turned from him. And turned to somebody else and said. Now tell me again. What's going to happen. For the man 
that kills this big, ugly, uncircumcised. Nobody to the covenant of God. Philistine. And the people said, you know, just like we said, man, you, you get money, you get the, the pretty girl, and you don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> he said, tell me again what happens. You get a lot of money, you get a pretty girl, you don't pay no more taxes. Verse 31. When the words were heard that David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. He sent for him. Now listen to this. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. I'll go. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said, you're not able to go fight this guy. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior from his youth. David said, your servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear. They took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after him. That's something. When's the last time you chased a bear? <laughs> Most people would be running from the bear. I'm telling you, David had sit out there with his instrument and he'd praise God and fellowship with God. And when you hang with God, you change. Things happen inside you. Fear goes away from you. Timidity and intimidation leaves you. You get bolder and bolder and stronger and stronger. And this lion roared and grabbed one of his sheep and David said, Who do you think you are? You And he ran after him. This lion has got his sheep and running. I guess he grabbed him by the tail or something and said, Hold up here. Lion dropped the sheep and turns around and growls and comes after him. And he faces him, gets in his face, grabs him by the beard of his head and kills him. Mess with my sheep. And he is a boy. Oh, what exploits we can do when we get full of faith, when we lose our fear. He said, I went out after him, I smote him, I delivered it out of his mouth, and when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and killed him. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear. Now listen, listen, here it comes. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Man, that's big talk for a boy. But not for God. Hallelujah. So you know the story. You know, he, he goes on to say, he will deliver me. Verse 37. Not might. He will deliver me. See, faith knows ahead of time how it's going to turn out. Faith says what's going to happen. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. You know, they tried to put Saul's armor on him and he, he was bound up. He said, I hadn't proved this. I can't do this. Listen, don't just borrow somebody else's confessions. Don't just use a prayer somebody else prays. It's got to be real to you. It's got to be something you've proven, something you've seen work, something that's real and confident. No need you just spouting off words because somebody else thought it was real to them. It's got to be real to you. He went out there on the battlefield with his shepherd's bag and his sling and his staff. And Philistine looked at him and was insulted. That they would send just a boy to fight him. Verse 40, he's insulted. He said, am I a dog? You send a boy out here with a stick to fight me? And he cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said, come here. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now he's trying to say something too, isn't he? But when you ain't got God behind you. And there may be sinners and there may be people that stand up and try to say what they're going to do to you. And what they're going to do against you. But if they, don't have, if they don't have God with them, don't fear their words. Don't be moved by them. 
Notice what David said, verse 45, here it comes, here it comes. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied, and this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will kill you and I will take your head off of you. And I guess he got so wound up, his vision began to expand. He said, and I will give the carcasses of this whole host of Philistines to the fowls of the air. That all the earth will know there's a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Just a boy. And then, this this was it. It was time to to do the job. I mean, he grabbed his rocks and started running toward him. And slung that thing. And God brought his words to pass. Now, people make fun of us about this. And they think, well, who do you think you are? Stand up and talk like that. We're not talking about stating things just of yourself and for your glory. And what you going to do for your own reputation. We're talking about stating what God has said. And what God will do. Hallelujah. To confirm His Word and for His glory. Hallelujah. What if more of us stood up like this? And looked at what seemed like strangleholds in certain areas. What looked and appeared like giants in between us and certain goals. And looked at it and said... I will take you down. I will move through you. I will overcome. And I'll do this. And I'll do that. And we'll reach out. And we'll branch out. And we'll reach many. Hallelujah for the kingdom of God. What if you said it? What if you said it? I'll take this acreage behind me and I'll take this acreage on the side and I'll take this acreage in front of me and I'll take the county probably. I'll take it. Hallelujah. And we'll build. And we'll reach out. It's not going to happen until you say it. And you've got to believe what you say. Say it. Hallelujah. But if you begin to say, it won't take me nearly as long. As it's taken a lot of people. I'll start this work and it's just going to pop like popcorn. Hallelujah. Buildings and lands will come to me. What has normally taken many years will happen to me in a few months. What if you said it? What if you believed it? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let's look at another one. Skip on down to Daniel, book of Daniel, and the third chapter, Daniel chapter 3. This is the story of Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, about how he made this huge image and commanded that everybody fall down and worship his image. And when the music played and everybody fell, three heads were still up. And the enemies of these individuals that resented them anyway, they saw this as the perfect opportunity. And they ran to the king and they told him, you got people out here that's defying your command. And verse 13, it made him mad. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and in his fury, he commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake, verse 14, Daniel 3, 14. He said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? You don't do it? Now listen carefully. It's important to understand the next couple of verses. If you be ready... 
At what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. In other words, I'm not going to throw you in. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. We don't have to think about this. We don't need any time. Now listen, that faith is bold, my friend. Faith knows ahead of time what God's going to do. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, you've got to analyze this, if what be so? If it be so that you're going to throw us in. He stated two situations. One, if they'd do one thing, he would not throw them in. If they didn't, he would throw them in. Get clear on this. Verse 17, if it be so, if what be so, if you throw us in, what's going to happen? Look at these guys standing in the face of the king, ruler, dictator, king of the known world with the fiery furnace crackling and popping in the background. And they looked at him and they said, if you do, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And what? And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18. But if not. Now a lot of people have said, you know, well, that means, well, if he doesn't. Absolutely not. I can't agree with that. First of all. It's unnecessary to say. If you say, if not means if God doesn't deliver us, we want you to know we will not serve your gods. Well, I think that's unnecessary to say because if he doesn't deliver them, they're not going to be around to do anything. He's saying, if not, if you don't throw us in, you're going to give us another chance. You're not going to throw us in right now. If you don't throw us in, we're just going to go ahead and tell you ahead of time, we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Now one reason I bring this up is you, you cannot say God will bring the money in. But if he don't, there's no faith there. And we know Hebrews 11 tells us that through faith these guys quenched the violence of this fire. They had faith. Hallelujah. Where is their faith? When they stood up and said, we want you to know our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. He will. End of story. Hallelujah. Can you decree boldly what God will do for you? Have you said it? Are you saying it? What's going to happen in your life? Hallelujah. What's going to happen in your body? My body will recover. My body will straighten out. Hallelujah. The money will be here. Thou shalt decree a thing. And it will be so to you. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Let's look at another one. Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. The ten spies had gone through and searched out the land, you remember? And then they came and they were crying about how big the giants were and about how tall the walls were. And in Numbers 13, you don't have to turn there, but Caleb stood up. Hallelujah. These these are the moments that define your life, friend. When everybody's crying and whining about stuff, you stand up and go, let me tell you what's going to happen here. Hallelujah. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. 
14th chapter, he said, the Lord will give it to us. Their defense has departed from them. The Lord will do what he said. But perhaps one of the most outstanding things is in Joshua, the 10th chapter. Take the time to turn to this one. Joshua, chapter 10. Hallelujah. I said faith is bold. Faith is persuaded of the will of God. Faith knows ahead of time how it's going to turn out. You're bold because you're sure. You're bold because you know. You proclaim it without hesitation. No ifs. No maybes. What's going to happen? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm getting excited just thinking in myself about some things I've been saying over the last few years and months. Because I just know just as well as I'm standing here that it's got to come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you can't be mousy about it. You can't be wavering, wimpy about it and, and say it bold one day and then wonder about it for three weeks. Got to say it and decree it. And if anything challenges it, then you have to be quick to say, uh-uh, no, no. This is what the Word says. This is what I say. And it's got to happen this way and no other way. Based on the Word. Well, you just never know. You might die younger than you think. Accidents happen. You know, nobody plans to... To be robbed. Nobody plans to be murdered. Nobody plans, you know, for disease to attack their body and take them out young. You just hope it don't happen to you, but you just never know. I'm reminded of the psalmist who stood up and boldly declared and decreed that the evil and the pestilence will not come nigh my dwelling. Hallelujah. He gets bolder. He says, it may happen to a thousand on this side. It may happen to ten thousand on this side. But it will not come near me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to be bold and say, that won't happen to me. You're a lady living alone or something and the devil comes and tries to mess with your head and say, well, you know, uh, all these rapes are going on and all these things are going on and you just don't know. I mean, it could happen to you. You need to jump up out of your chair and say, no, no, no. It will not happen to me. It will never happen to me. I will not be killed in a car wreck. I will not be killed in a plane crash. I do not have to die and will not die with one of the devil's stinking diseases. I will live long and be satisfied. I will run my whole race. I will finish my course. And I will be full and rich and satisfied and go when God and I are good and ready for me to go and not one minute sooner. Hallelujah. What if you said that all your life and you believed it? According to Jesus, the head of the church, you will have what you say. Glory to God. Woo. Joshua 10, are you there? What are the limits on this thing? How far can we go? Is it true that all things are possible? To him that believes, that's a mighty big category. That's a mighty wide berth. 
all things. Is it the case that we have only been hampered and hindered by our small thinking? Small faith? When we could have lifted our voice, we could have lifted our face and let faith rise in our heart and decreed big things for the glory of God. In this chapter, chapter 10 of Joshua, the five kings of the Amorites, the enemies of the people of God, had come out against God's people and fighting them and Joshua leading in the battle. God fought for them. Great stones fell from heaven. How many understand God can fight for us? God has resources. Don't let, him, don't let the, the devil's bunch scare you with their resources. Yeah, well, they've got a bunch of lawyers and they've got some money. We got God. We've got God. They're outnumbered bad. They are, and don't even know it, but they are. In the midst of this battle, in verse 12, you know the story, but think about it. Put yourself in this situation. Realize what's going on. God is working a victory for the people of God. These are people that have sought to destroy God's people. And verse 12, in the midst of this, then spake Joshua to the Lord. In the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, he said, he said, what did he say? I mean, it almost boggles the mind. He's in the midst of this. Blood and mud and sweat and all this stuff going on, and he looks up in the midst of it, and he says... In your most trying circumstances, in the heat of the battle, when it feels like there's pressure from all sides, oh, it's so important that you don't crumple and fold. It's so important that fear and defeat doesn't come out of your mouth. In the midst of the battle, raise up yourself. Look up to God. Remember the Word. Remember who's inside you and who's for you. And open your mouth and say how this thing's going to turn out. He lifted up his voice. He said, Son, stand still. Stay where you are, moon. Stay where you are. My, my, my. And people think we're talking big and presumptuous because we claim a few dollars to come in. Or because we tell a body part to change. When you start messing with the solar system. What would some of these unbelieving theologians say about how dare you, you worm of a man, suppose that you could affect the creator's planets? I don't think he was theorizing all that stuff in the middle of the battle. I think faith rose up in his heart. I think he looked up and said, Son, stand still. And it did. It did. The sun stood still. And the moon stayed till the people avenged themselves on the enemies. Is it not written in the book Jashir? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it. That the Lord hearkened. Are you reading? Are you reading? The Lord hearkened. He heard and did the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. People have been afraid to say. They're afraid they would be too daring. They're afraid they would go too far. And it's the lies of the devil. It's deception. We haven't gone far enough. We haven't been bold enough. 
It's the people, read the gospel accounts. It's the people that were bold, the people that spoke that got results. Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The woman with issue of blood, when I touch his clothes, I will be made whole. It's how Jesus made it through the crucifixion. It's how he made it through the terrible ordeal. He looked at them before it all came down and he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Hallelujah. This is our God. This is our Father and our Lord. He tells us, do what I do. Follow me. Don't follow unbelievers. Don't follow the way of the world. Follow me. Be imitators of me. Do what I do. Believe. Can you hear the text again? Jesus looking at his disciples. They're stirred up because he spoke to the tree and it obeyed his words. And he said, have the faith of God. Let it get in you. Do it. Practice it. See that mountain? Look at it. Speak to it. Don't be moved. Don't waver. Don't doubt what you said. You will rule and reign in this life by Christ Jesus. You will rule and reign in life by faith, by words. Hallelujah, Lord. We need to say some things. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Said out loud, I'm a child of God. A child of a faith God. I'm a faith person. I have faith. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I speak faith words. And those words... Come to pass in my life. I'm getting stronger. I'm becoming bolder. I'm getting closer to God. I'm getting full with His power. I'm increasing in revelation. I'm increasing in anointing. I'm increasing in the wisdom of God. I'm increasing in money. I will do the whole plan of God for my life. Nothing will hold me back. No man will prevent me. No demon will stop me. I will not be bound up with sickness and disease. I will not be held back by lack or poverty. I will be strong. I will do exploits. God is making me a mighty man of power. A mighty man of glory. A mighty man of strength to his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.